0: Hello, and welcome to the You Know How to Live show. My name is Kate Hammer, and in just a moment, we will have Eve Rodsky with us. Eve Rodsky is the author of New York Times bestseller and Reese's book club pick, Fair Play, as well as a new book dropping on December 28th, Find Your Unicorn Space, and a documentary based on Fair Play set to release in 2022. Eve is working to change society one partnership at a time by coming up with a new 21st century solution to an age-old problem, women shouldering two-thirds or more of the unpaid domestic work and childcare for their homes and families. Now, wherever you are watching from, I'm so glad that you tuned in and are hanging out. I hope you're ready for my favorite combination of things, hopefully a bit of entertainment, and of course, some takeaways to improve how you work and play and do all the things you do in between. Please take a moment right now to subscribe, follow, leave a comment, or give a five-star review so that we can stay connected. And with that, let's bring in Eve Rodsky. Hi, Eve. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. You have a lot going on right now. Your first book, Fair Play was a huge hit, really likes to hang out on the New York Times bestseller (laughs) list for long stretches of time. Um, And you have a new book coming out on December 28th, and you have a film coming out as well. Just saw an announcement the other day. How are you feeling?
1: That's such a nice question. Um, I love that question, how am I feeling? I would say um, I'm feeling really... Uh, reflective, which I think is something that I'm trying to do more of. Um, Mm -hmm. This new book, Find Your Unicorn Space, is a really interesting journey, and we'll talk more about it through uh, curiosity, connection, and completion. And Mm -hmm. I think I've been really focused on that last C, the idea that a completion is something important. It's something to be celebrated to look back at your goals from the year before mm-hmm. i do everything in moleskins or journals so i went back here Kate, you can let's even see it this was my neon one my neon yellow this is neon green from 2021 but i went back and my major goals were on this page and so it was I really fun it. to go back and Realized that I had met all the goals I really wanted to achieve in 2021. I don't think women we give ourselves enough time to celebrate our completions.
0: Oh, we. I mean, we may not even know how. Like, what does it even mm-hmm. mean to celebrate when we hit those goals? Do we just like you know, put on a song and dance around yes, the room? Do we yes. tell people? Do we even? I mean, do we even tell people um, what we've accomplished? So, yeah, I love that. I love that. You're taking that time, and that you're reminding all of us to do the same.
1: And congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Uh, My friend Natalie Nixon, she's a creativity strategist. She literally buys mini cupcakes for herself, and she lights a candle um, on any mini completion. So I thought that's a really beautiful the idea of a ritual around completion is something I think we can all think about Mm -hmm. as we uh, end this year and start into the new year. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so adorable. Yes. I love tying either like a specific event that will create a memory um, or even buying something in connection with completing a goal so that it can like um, every time you use it or see it or see photos of being at that place, it brings back those feelings and reminds you that, hey, you can do big things and kind of just like revives that confidence whenever you're not feeling that way. Yeah. We all we all have those days. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yes, we are definitely going to talk all about Find Your Unicorn Space, um, which was the concept of unicorn space was mentioned in your first book, Fair Play. Uh, But before we do that, could you tell us a little bit about what Fair Play was about and who it was written for? That's such a great question. um, Because
1: you know, it was written for me <laughs> originally. <laughs> I think they call research me search. And as you know, Kate, mm. um, it was a real reckoning, you know, and I think I'm coming up on my blueberries breakdown anniversary. But mm. since since um, I write about, right, this seminal moment in my life when Seth sends me a text, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. Mm-hmm. And it sort of culminates in this side of the road, Texting and driving, having to pull over, breakdown, sobbing, breast pump and diaper bag in the passenger seat of my car Mm -hmm. and newborn Mm -hmm. baby gifts to return in the backseat of my car and a client contract in my lap because I had been forced out of the traditional workforce. I never say opted out anymore. I always say forced out because I've actually never met a woman who's not in the traditional workforce and had been who hasn't been forced out in some way. Um, and we call these things choices and they're not. So I think that's important. But I remember that day of really the metaphor for me was, and I still think about it, you know, you say you have things in your life that bring back good times. Well, for me, the idea of mm-hmm. this pen, sometimes holding a pen between my legs, because I remember when I got the I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries text. I was also racing to get Zach, my older son, who was three mm-hmm. at the time. From his toddler transition program that was seven minutes and costed our, cost our entire salaries. The recognition that the pen that was between my legs that mm-hmm. I would hit and the stop signs as I was racing to get Zach kept sort of circling back and stabbing me in the vagina. And oh, that's, perfect. What I, that's what I remember about that day. And I think this idea of being stabbed in the vagina by a pen is sort of the metaphor for how women have been treated in our society, this idea Mm -hmm. that somehow we're super women and we can do it all and how great for you, but oh, because you can do it all and you're so great, you know, you don't need any help. You don't need any safety nets. You don't need men to step up and do childcare and housework. And I think that false narrative um, is what leaves us into, leaves us in a really, really burnt out state and also Mm -hmm. leads us to, many choices and decisions that we wouldn't typically make if our, you know, we were able to have that space to think um, long-term about our lives. So that's the answer, uh, the long answer to the question that Fair Play 10 years ago started as a, a, an awakening, mm-hmm. um, going from pre-consciousness to consciousness that something was wrong in my life, that I did not have the career-marriage combo I thought I was going to have. Mm -hmm. Even with the privilege of being a parent, a single, you know, the the daughter of a single mother and knowing I wanted an equal partner, Kate, and designing my life for that, and also being a Harvard-trained mediator and Mm -hmm. trained in difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. um, still, still, still this was happening to me. And so, you know, I honor that completion, uh, the 10-year mark of living in an awakening of sorts that I've been able to share with the world um, one person at a time. And it's been very, very powerful to me to hear other people's stories along my journey, including yours. Yeah. Um, we are spiritual friends in the Fair Play journey. Mm-hmm. And that is that is how um, and why I've been able to sustain myself through 10 years of, of awakening is the women men non-binary individuals the people who have joined me on this cultural and political movement Mm -hmm. that is fair play
0: yeah oh yeah i mean i've heard a fair share of stories just from friends um i feel like every what it does when you read this book fair play it really brings out a story for you because you connect with it in a very specific way eve has her story that she shares in the book about The blueberry is not showing up (laughs) at home from the grocery store. But um, we all kind of have our own little moments, you know, as as parents where we realize, like, wait, this isn't quite what I intended. And uh, what I, one thing that I really love that you do in both books is you really attack language. Like, hey, either this needs, this word needs to get redefined or we just need to use different words altogether. Like, not that women need more help at home. Right. But no. Yeah. Like, just different words. Kate. Just do the thing. I always say that. <laughs> and
1: that's why, you know, I thought it was funny that this new book, Find Your Unicorn Space is coming out as a new year, new you month in publishing, because you know what? It's like new year, same you. We just need different language, different mm. language to bring you out. Um, as I was talking to a friend this morning Rina gupta we're talking about her book called career interrupted mm. and we both have this very similar lens that we're not here for reinvention we're here for reinvestment mm. in your life and that's a very different concept um yeah. and that's Ooh, that's that just that's, gave me a feeling yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's i don't need you to fix yourself mm. or to shape yourself and i do want to make that point and Claudia Golden does this so beautifully in her book um it's called career and family um and what she 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 does so beautifully is is talk about the fact that yes women have gotten we've advanced of course you know in the past 100 years um or as i say same different decades so not really mm-hmm. that much but the advancements we've made the advancements we've made mm-hmm. have only been at our own expense meaning Meaning that we found um, and discovered (laughs) birth control, right? And then we had to fight for it because when it was discovered, we weren't given access to it. Um, And so that was a tool. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, found and discovered uh, ways to have children through scientific means to delay fertility. Mm -hmm. Um, How many tools do we need to continue to fit into the boxes that this white male sort of Christian society, patriarchal society has has made for us. We have um, to forge new paths. We have to bring new lived experiences in. And again, I think that is the power of fair play. Everybody everybody feels triggered by it. Um, Regardless of your family structure, there is Mm -hmm. a story that people tell me that resonates with them. And so that is a new language. Because it's not about me saying this is what you have to do to fit into a fucked up society. It is um, let's reinvent the language so that we can uh, celebrate new and different types of lived experiences.
0: Yes. I love that. And I love the language that you choose. And one of those phrases is, of course, unicorn space. Um, so I mentioned this to you before, but that was my favorite concept from Fair Play. I went nuts over it. I feel like... Um, You know, after those first few years of my kids being really little and needing a lot, uh, I finally got into this space of, you know, exploring old hobbies and interests and um, just trying to figure out what it meant for me to be creative and putting things out into the world and, you know, know, remembering who I am. Like you said, not Mm -hmm. changing who I am, but kind of remembering and finding a way to explore that. Uh, intentionally. And I would use the word hobbies or yes. whatever. And you just like take an ax to all that. You're right. like,
1: no, no, I would Never that say is. that. Kate. I, just, <laughs> I remember telling you that. I was like, I love that you are embracing your unicorn space and you stopped calling it a hobby. I thought that was so great.
0: Yeah. So for anyone who's unfamiliar, could you define for us What is unicorn space? What makes it different from a hobby? How does someone know that they are creating their unicorn space and living into that? Give us like the once around.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think first I'll tell you why I called it unicorn space, because there was no word for what I was talking about. Um, There were actions like you would hear um, the feeling of a flow state. You would hear people say they wanted to be happy. Um, and then there were these like terrible words like hobby or vanity project or passion project, mm-hmm. things that society literally would throw in a toilet bowl, right? I mean, it's, yeah. they, they are words that we associate with the last thing to do um, at the end of our very busy to-do list. And so many people would say to me, well, what are you asking me to add to the end of my um, never ending to-do list? And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Um, I'm not asking you to add anything to your never-ending to-do list. What I'm asking you to do instead is to take things off your plate, Mm -hmm. which is why fair play had to come first. This idea that um, when we invite men into their full power in the home, women truly have the ability to step out into their full power in the world. Mm -hmm. And this applies even if you're not married to a man. This has to do with the cultural assumptions. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are a woman – Um, you will have, you will butt up against a role at some point by being defined by your roles at some point Mm -hmm. in a way our male counterparts are not. And so that's why fair play is an important solution for our society, regardless of your individual situation. But of course, if you're married to, if you're a hetero cisgender relationship, it matters Mm -hmm. even more because it affects you societally and in your home. So that had to come first. But then Kate The hard part was so many women said to me, I have a passion gap, not an ambition Mm -hmm. gap, um, but a passion gap where it's been too long. Yeah. It has been too long. I don't even know what that return would be. Yeah. Um, And I didn't like that answer. I, I found it. Highly triggering. It made me cry. It made me angry. It made my heart pound. Yeah. Um, And over and over again, um, you know, we have the biggest longitudinal study of unpaid labor now. And part of that was understanding um, the profound sadness of hearing stories over and over again, like the woman I talk about um, in Fair Play, who Mm -hmm. literally built her entire life around a skiing scholarship. At the University of Vermont, uh, Mm -hmm. took her beloved skis with her everywhere, and then at a point in her life, um, about ten years into her marriage, she leaves those beloved skis at an airport um, because they're too heavy, and they're taking too long to bring them out when she needs to get her toddler and her newborn baby fed, and so she ends up in a ski lodge alone, not skiing, Mm -hmm. but also not even with her beloved skis and. How do we get to that place where the things that literally took us took us to an ascendancy to who we are, are completely disappeared, whether it's skis or for me, it was my name. Mm. And I start to think about the power of naming um, as I, and this is all getting to how it became unicorn space, because the power of naming, as you said, became really important to me, whether it was Betty Friedan in Feminine Mystique, who said the, there are problems without names, I've always felt that naming things were were the key to understanding the fight for solutions that you have to come into awareness first. Mm. So when I got Zach, when he was handed to me uh, that first time after maybe coming out of that nursery, Mm -hmm. um, I remember a nurse saying, you know, hi, mom, you know, how'd you sleep this morning? How are you doing? Um, To the point where then I got a necklace. I remember those little mm-hmm. charms were really in fashion 13 years ago. My friend brought me one to the hospital and I proudly put it on and said, mom. And then I remember um, being at my kid's preschool for the for Zach's preschool for the first time. That toddler transition program I was telling you about, mm-hmm. where we all sat in a circle and the preschool teacher said to me, look around. And of course it was all mother's. And a couple of gay dads, because it was mm. a primary parent thing, which I hate that term. So we're all sitting there. And she said, look around. These will be your best friends. They will know you better than anybody in the world mm. at the end of this journey. And I looked down, kid, at the name tag I had. And the name tag said, Zach's mom. <laughs> and I oh, remember snap. thinking, <laughs> "Yeah, these are going to be the people that know me the best in the whole world, better than anybody else. They don't even know my f- name. Mm. And so- yeah. The power of naming, as you said, is a really important thing. And so that got me to understand reclaiming naming is part of what I will do for the rest of my life. Mm. So the idea of space became the thing that people said they had lost in their passion gap. There's no space. There's no space and time to focus on myself. I literally can't hear myself think. Mm. We are, Women, especially in the pandemic, have been interrupted every three minutes and 42 seconds. And so the idea of space is a very irreverent concept. But then some people were saying it as white space. I need sort of this white space. But I didn't like that term either because for so many women of color, what they would say to me is the idea of a white space sounds like a place where I can't enter. And I'm a Jew. Yeah. So then I would think, well, I don't want to be in a white space either because Jews are not invited into white spaces. So mm-hmm. I didn't love that term. But the idea of a unicorn space, the idea that there can be something mythical and magical that doesn't exist unless we claim it. Mm. Felt very special to me, and that's how that term evolved. It's the it's the space for mm-hmm. for uninterrupted attention for things you love that make you uniquely you, but it has to be claimed. That's really what a unicorn space is.
0: Yeah, I love too how. It's a word that we learn in childhood. We have memories associated in childhood, and it can bring us to that place in our hearts and our minds of just, you know, that childlike wonder of things are possible, and we're not, you know, totally cut off by what we've learned. And I don't know. I I just love the possibility in it.
1: Well, I think possibility is so important. That's actually mm-hmm. one of the most important words that you um, pick up on. Um, and one of my favorite stories is a woman named Vanessa Bennett. Um, it's called the case of the toilet revelation mm-hmm. in unicorn space, but it's this beautiful story of um, my friend's four-year-old daughter, you know, waddling up to her um, as she's peeing on the toilet and saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what do you want to be when you grew up mommy? And, my friend oh, had yeah. had uh, left her career, um, had been forced out, as I like to say, of mm-hmm. her career. Um, she had had four kids in very rapid succession. And she talks about sort of being on this toilet, having this four-year-old who wouldn't let it go. Uh, Vanessa said, you know, she asked her and she said, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, but I will let you know. And Zion, her daughter, saying, OK, well, I'm going to come back and ask you again. And then She kept asking her, did you decide what you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And Vanessa talks about the reinvention of her career um, Mm -hmm. at that point, based on the generosity of Zion's question, Mm -hmm. that there was as much possibility, that word you just used, for her Mm -hmm. after four kids and being defined by her roles for a period of time as there was for Zion. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really the crux of Find Your Unicorn Space, is that there is as much possibility for us now even if we've been designed even if we've been defined by our roles even if we've had a passion gap mm-hmm. there's as much possibility for us now as there was um, as there is for Zion mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stories in the book that show you that that is true and that's the most inspirational piece for me living in the possibility
0: yes i love that Okay, so let's imagine someone's reading this and they're like, "All right, I'm with you, Eve. I do need <laughs> this. I want to pursue it, But I don't have time right now. You have an answer to that question. Can you share with us what it
1: is? Yeah. well, I think it's actually really I, there's a lot of resistance mm-hmm. to that I don't, but I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could just get into the program, Kate, of curiosity connection and completion. It's a beautiful second half of the book. But like fair play, I could not jump into a system for domestic rebalance without having 150 pages to unpack why we don't have time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there are three reasons that three hurdles that really come up that we have to unpack. Mm -hmm. One when you tell me you don't have time, I ask people, as I often do in my research, to go deeper. It became one of three things. It was either one, I don't have a permission to be unavailable for my roles. Mm-hmm. That's what you meant by saying I don't have time. Mm-hmm. There's too much guilt and shame. There's too much overwhelm in my roles as a parent, partner, and or a professional. And by professional, I mean anybody who works for pay or who doesn't work for pay, Your work is still professional, even if it's work in the home. Uh, We've been taught too long that childcare and housework is not professional work. It is um, very important work.
0: So I love that. I loved how you redefine that in the book, too. Yes. So it's it's what it
1: is. It is. It is Mm -hmm. what it is. So it is. If you're saying you don't have time, it's either because you believe you don't have a permission to be unavailable from your roles. And we unpack that in the book about mm-hmm. how to burn guilt and shame and work through that. Um, but the second one is um, I don't have the permission to ask for what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two that usually you're saying. Um, unavailability has a lot to do with how we look at ourselves, our roles, mm-hmm. the guilt and shame people put on us and we want to spend uninterrupted attention on ourselves. Um, or you're telling me that you really don't have the permission to ask for what you need, and what I mean by that is not just ask for what you need to others, but the self-talk to understand the clarity to understand what you need for yourself. And so those those two are unpacked because um, time you do have time, and it's actually not not um, it's not it's not just optional. This is essential to your mental and physical health. So mm-hmm. unless you want to die, you do have time for your unicorn space. It is literally linked. It's the opposite of a failure to thrive, which actually is a big diagnosis people are having in the pandemic, which is har- horrific, mm-hmm. that people are literally losing. You hear that with infants, but we're seeing it with people who lose their, their, their thriving, their failure to thrive, their mm-hmm. their will to live. Um, so what I'm not saying here is that life is uh, is 72 and sunny, Kate. Right? As you know me, right? Um, I that am it. Mm-hmm. I'm basing, you know, a lot of the metaphors on Vivian Green's. I'm not a big inspirational quote person, but my cousin, whose husband had a catastrophic stroke at 37,
0: mm-hmm. really
1: came to 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 use, you know, the quote, "Life is not waiting." For the storm to pass, it's learning to dance in the rain. Mm-hmm. That became so important to her. And that metaphor of, you know, we can drown in the rain or we can have an umbrella doesn't mean it's not raining, mm-hmm. but the umbrella are those things, as we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, which is, are the things that can't be taken away from us. Those yeah. completions, uh, those unicorn space completions, those yeah. are, those are that's the umbrella.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love how visual you make it too. Makes it so much easier to remember and call back on. Gotta go get some umbrellas. Umbrella. <laughs> Stay yeah. with me into the next season.
1: I have a unicorn umbrella. Someone actually bought me a unicorn umbrella, which I thought was the cutest thing ever. Um, love it. And I think it's a kid size, so I, it would just probably keep my my hair dry, not my shoulders. But it's the, <laughs> it's the
0: cutest um, cutest prop I have. Love. Okay. Eve, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that um, there are some things later on in the book that you wanted to touch on. Do you want to say more about that?
1: Yeah, I would love to. I think let's get into the fun part. You know, I just went pretty dark. Oh, my God. As one man said to me, you're really good at going. You're you're great at going dark to going light. So I was like, awesome. I'm glad that you see that there's a rainbow arc um, to the stories. (laughs) So the beauty of of this book, what I loved writing about it, especially during a pandemic, was there were people thriving, Kate. There are people who are dancing in the rain, and Mm -hmm. it is correlated to three Cs. And I want to explore those a little bit with your listeners. Um, The three Cs that kept coming up, and now, you know, we are... Um, There are 750 people in my CRM that were asked exactly the same questions. There are thousands more who've answered the unicorn space call to what is theirs. Mm -hmm. So I really have some really beautiful, there's 23 uh, stories plus uh, 12 expert disciplines in the book. Um, So I I really do feel like I I know what I'm talking about here. And I Mm want to explain why curiosity plus connection plus completion is so important. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at your unicorn space journey, your uh, journey to happiness that way, it's much easier than if you look at your journey to happiness as a pursuit of happiness. Mm. Because what I learned sitting in happiness labs and even the happiness professors will tell you this, the more you focus on how to be happy, the sadder you are. Um, I don't even know if sadder Mm. is a word, but I will coin it a word. Um, And so I think we've had this misnomer that somehow we can gratitude journal ourselves to death. And Mm. that is not, yes, of course, gratitude is important. Of course. Mm. Um, I'm a Jew. Our entire religion is about um, saying Baruch to thank you to God and to other, you know, to really have gratitude for everything from drinking water to waking up in the morning to um, being able to go to bed for having food Uh, So I believe in gratitude, Um, Mm -hmm. but, but I think really understanding that we can put happiness where it's in its place Mm -hmm. and where happiness needs to sit is like behind you as like that bowl. It needs to be one of, of your clues. Mm -hmm. And so what the beauty of that is, is that if happiness becomes a clue, then curiosity becomes a really interesting way to look at the pursuit of something. Mm -hmm. If you start getting curious about something that makes you happy, you are on the right track. Mm
0: -hmm. However,
1: some people have said to me, well, Eve, you mean like, I'm curious about my kids, why my kids poop is yellow. And I was like, no, not that type of curiosity, curiosity (laughs) about something that is grounded in your values. Mm -hmm. And so I'll argue for you, Kate, you know, this platform for you, I really see you in your unicorn space. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Um, I mean, you can tell us, but I'll I'll see how I see you from an outside perspective, which is that you have curiosity about making things better for others. Mm -hmm. Um, You then reach out to guests or to experts or to people that have piqued your curiosity, Mm -hmm. um, which takes courage. It's how we became friends. Um, and then you are willing to share yourself with the world by completion, by uploading this episode, um, even if it doesn't go the way you wanted it to. It's not it may not be perfect. I may go off on 100 tangents like I've done and you still upload it. You still edit. You still complete. And that is a cycle of unicorn space. It is something mm-hmm. that no one can take away from you. And that is how we get those umbrellas and these. In this, in this life that is storms. And I'm going to pr- presume that when you do this, you do this because as a clue, these are things that make you feel happy, um, not yeah. stressed, not overwhelmed. And those are the clues I want more people to follow. So my point is keep doing what you're doing because it's it's how we met. It's really, you're, you are really beautiful in how you share yourself with the world.
0: Thank you, Eve. That was very kind. I really appreciate that. And you're right on. I mean, yeah, this is – I'm pursuing something, and it's not about a particular end in mind. Um, I'm doing it for the sake of the thing, and that's fine. I think sometimes we worry a little too much about excellence, about how something will be perceived, and that's not it. It's doing something and putting out there in the world – What that thing is, like you said, the completion aspect, like share it because there's opportunity for impact and we all, I feel like very deeply want to be known um, and the only way to experience that as humans is to share ourselves sincerely. So it's not always going to be as pretty and buttoned up as we'd like, but always worth the risk.
1: Well, I just also think what you just said is so beautiful, right? The desire to be known, um, because it's that's exactly the opposite of what happened to me when I was handed a baby, and I was called mom, hmm. right? Um, how can I be known? How can I be known if people don't even know my name? And so I think that you know we're talking about the same thing here. That the desire to be known is the metaphorical and the and the literal reclaiming of your initial. Um, As you see, I put an E back on my neck. Um, You can see it, Kate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that very intentionally to my kids. I had a ritual with them where I took off their initials and I put mine back on alone. And I said, you know, this is really important that I wear my own initial, that you know my name. I already made the mistake of changing my last name without thinking about it, without having any intention or clarity around why I did mm-hmm. it. I, I did that because that's what everybody else did. Um, but I'm not going to lose my first name too. My name is Eve. Mm-hmm. It's, um it's a palindrome. Uh, and I love that about my name. It's why I named my daughter, Anna too. I love palindromes. Mm-hmm. I like the symmetry of it, you know, talking about yourself, talking about your name uh, it's, it, it can be a really good return, um, that reinvestment, just a little bit of a ritual to hold on to, uh, especially if you're feeling, you know, that these concepts are, are new to you or, um, you haven't lived in them as long as Kate
0: and I have. Yeah. So while you're waiting for December 28th to get your copy <laughs> of this new book, um, Find your unicorn space, you should just contemplate your name. Start there. Eve, that's a great exercise. I love that. Um, and and a great place to start for folks. So let's talk a little bit about the film based on fair play. What when is this happening? What is happening? Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Oh, thank you for asking. I haven't actually gotten a chance to talk about it publicly yet. So this will be my first time. We have a fair play film. We took advantage of the pandemic to follow 75 couples. Not everybody obviously made it into the film, um, but we will be using a lot of that footage for other type of storytelling. And we thought it would be really, really interesting to watch how couples navigated fair play. Um, We can say it. I hear it people reach out to me, but sharing these stories with the world are these universal truths, the power of family, the power of connection, watching men step into their full power in the home. Mm -hmm. It is not perfect by any stretch of the means. Fair play is a practice. It is a practice that butts up against a hundred years of the opposite of what fair play is conditioning um, that doesn't allow for the um the beauty the beauty of uh viewing childcare and housework as not only essential but our humanity and mm-hmm. so that's what this movie does um there's a lot of experts cuz fair play is always in unicorn space it's always marriage of data and science with with storytelling and mm-hmm. i think it's really I think it's really good. I really do. Jennifer Newsom is our director. She was a revolutionary in her work with a film called Misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. Um, she has subsequently done fil- films on toxic masculinity, and this is sort of a marriage of the two: of women being sort of liberated as mothers, not constrained as mothers, along mm-hmm. with men um, being able to be in their full selves. As opposed to looked at, look at as opposed to being just looked at as, um, you know, a cog in a capitalist wheel. So it's just a really beautiful, a beautiful testament to, to our humanity. I can't wait to see it. Thank you. I can't wait to. We are in the midst of uh, having streamers acquire it, so we don't know which streamer yet mm-hmm. will get it. Um, so as soon as we know, of course, I, you will be one of the first people I tell.
0: Yay. Okay. And not really sure about timeline. Do we think 2022? Yes, definitely. 2022,
1: definitely 2022 for sure. Awesome. I I mean, I, I don't know when else would be better to be honest. I think we're all Mm -hmm. needing some more fair play, fair pay, fair day, um, in our lives as we think about what a return to work, return to hybrid work, return to any sort of, um, you know, integration of our lives will look like in all of these disruptions.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I'm excited to see how people choose to watch it. Um you know, will they get together with their book clubs from reading your books? Will they be watching with their families? Like what how will that experience of consuming the film impact, you know, what they've learned so far with what you've shared? Um I I can't wait to see how it all rolls out. I'm super excited about it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's uh it was a labor of love for sure. Um mm-hmm a year of filming. It was a labor of love, but we did it. We did it. We completed that Kate. Yes. you. So did. again, celebrating completions, uh, feels very important to me. We did that. We, we made a film. And again, I feel, um, I wasn't a producer on the film, which was very important to me because I really wanted, uh, the producers, hello, sunshine, the representation project to, do with the footage as they needed. So I'm there as a um, family. I'm featured as a family. So it's really, it's fun to watch what they did with the, um, with the themes.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So you mentioned Hello Sunshine. You have been partnered up with Hello Sunshine for quite some time. And um, Reese Witherspoon has, uh, Fair Play was, part of her book club. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to pass and what that experience has been like for you?
1: Yes, it's funny. I think what's mo- what makes me laugh the most is, um, you know, I get a lot of people saying, you know, that it must be really a, sort of a starstruck experience to know um, and work with Reese. But the way I've always been in the biggest um, nerd fashion of, of in the world for me is that the starstruck I get is when I talk to a professor that actually mm-hmm. um, is willing to speak to me about a study, a peer-reviewed study that they have done that speaks um, to fair play. So uh, this professor named Daniel Car- Carlson out of uh, Utah, he had a study around communication that showed, ta-da, when we you know, bring... Our communication vulnerabilities to the table. uh, Maybe our partners do more, but then it decreases long-term marital satisfaction. So um, speaking to him, I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm speaking to Professor Carlson. So um, that's always sort of where um, my awe and wonder lives. I think the beauty of Reese um, was her willingness to say, you know, I have a book club, an audience that reads fiction. Mm -hmm. They often look for an escape. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pick a very triggering book that um, doesn't look like spooky fiction. It came out in October of 2019. And people were expecting spooky fiction. So to take a risk on me like that, Mm -hmm. um, I will never forget, ever, ever. I will never, I have boundless and endless gratitude for Reese and Hello Sunshine to take a risk on me.
0: I'm so glad they did, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do read a lot of the books in the club and yeah, totally. Lots of eerie stuff, lots of uh, midnight murders and whatnot. And that mm-hmm. is so fun. But um, but, man, I'm so glad that Fair Play was on that list, too. And that because of that, so many women get to experience the book. So very cool stuff. Eve. I would like to ask you a couple of questions about how you go about making all of this happen in the day to day. Um, you know, I think when we look at it, we're like, okay, here's this person who's writing these books, who's making these movies, like how, what does that actually look like? And how do we make big things happen for ourselves? Um, so I have a, uh, two quick questions about that, and then I'm gonna go into a this or that segment and hear a little bit about your preferences, just love so that, that everybody can I get that. to know you. Yes, yes, yeah.
1: I love that so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and then a little rapid fire. So in the day to day, how do you get your day started right? What kind of habits have you put into play to make all of this work? Um, to continue to show up and do the work and create more over this long stretch of time?
1: Such a good question. I think um, the number one thing for me, of course, is none of this would have been possible if I didn't have Seth hold many, many, many fair play cards with full conception, planning, and execution. Um, The fact that I never, ever, ever have to fill out another school form for the rest of my life um, is highly liberating. Uh, the fact that I don't receive any school emails anymore as highly liberating, except for when I want one, I'm like, Oh, geez, you know, I did want to watch my kid on his thing today and I don't have any access to, like the live stream. Um, yeah. But I think we don't, we talk too much about what women can do like getting up an hour earlier or um, the most problematic, this idea, well, if you're overwhelmed, just get help. That's been a very white feminist message, this idea that for us to rise, we should do it, you know, on the backs of the undervalued labor of domestic workers. Mm. So I think not that we don't need professional help. It's about how we talk about that professional help. Mm. Cecilia is part of our family. She is with us. Um, She helps raise our kids just as much as Seth and I do. We Mm -hmm. pay her well. We pay her more than well. Um, She has health insurance. She's considered an integral employee in our lives. Um, In addition, we literally moved to L.A. from New York, where our careers were thriving um, over 10 years ago now, for help. Because Seth's parents, my mother, is still a professor of social work and a single mother. My father has never been in the picture in a meaningful way. Um, so moving across the country for help um, was very subversive to say actually 13 years ago, Kate. Um, mm-hmm. People were like, what do you mean you're moving for help? I'm like, we are moving to be closer to Seth's parents because we cannot raise Zach alone. Um, that's mm-hmm. when we just had one, yeah. one child. Um, so oh, man, yeah. I think recognizing that in America, we have no social safety nets we are breathing polluted air, but that doesn't mean we have to stop breathing. Mm. Um, I am not saying that um, that we don't need to, and what I'm also fighting for this year, I created a Fair Play Policy Institute to really continue to fight for you know, paid leave, universal childcare, my favorite, um, adding unpaid labor into the U- US gross domestic product. But we have to also take agency in our own life. So I think when, when people ask, you know, really, how do I get all this done? It is first and foremost, the division of labor between me and my partner. Mm-hmm. And then it's the community that we have built around us. And let me just make that very clear. We did not have money for a Cecilia, you know, for an amazing third parent basically uh, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So that's why we moved to be closer to CES parents so we could have um, that child care help. In addition, uh, the other thing I think is really important for women is to understand our circadian rhythms. There's oh, a lot man. There's a lot of new research coming up mm-hmm. about our circadian rhythms. Um, I am a night person, so understanding that it does not go well when I have any child care responsibilities in the morning. Seth is a morning person, so he transports the kids to school in the morning. It takes him mm-hmm. an hour and a half. So he has to get up really early to do that. Hmm. Uh, and, so, and that that is what it is. I can't do it. I cannot wake up early. Um, I, I literally walk around like a zombie. I have headaches. I feel sick. I have dizziness. Um, my circadian rhythms work better at night. And now, so I am Zach's primary parent at night. He's a teenager. There's a whole other world that happens after Seth goes to bed. Mm-hmm. There's a whole world in the morning when, when I when I Seth's awake and I'm not. Mm-hmm. So that's just what we we've recognized the power of our circadian rhythms.
0: Oh yeah. That is I think because of the pandemic, more and more people have been able to even consider that. Um, with working from home, uh, changes just in schedule, not necessarily commuting. And just getting, you know, having more of an opportunity to get more in touch with that possibility, right? Um, And my
1: friend Sarah, she, you know, she she talks about like she doesn't have a lot of privilege. She's in Canada. Her
0: Mm -hmm. husband's
1: a commercial fisherman, and still, she said, "Look, I'm living with a chronic disease." She and I actually have something similar. I have dizziness. I've been called a dizzy blonde since I was 21. (laughs) She she has like real (laughs) bouts of vertigo, Mm. and vertigo is
0: no joke. Oh my god! No,
1: and for her, it's also waking up early. We both have that in common, where not living in our circadian rhythms triggers vertigo. And so her husband's a commercial fisherman. He has to be out at 3 a.m. So she said, well, it's your cart still. So his his grand uncle, her grand uncle um, works with her husband now to get her kids to school in the morning. Um, Again, the concept of fair play is not that we have to do it all, but it's that one person in the partnership is responsible for figuring out how to Mm -hmm. get that done. And so for her... Um, her commercial fisherman husband um, has his great uncle take take the kids to school.
0: Yes. Okay, Village. They're doing okay, it. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. Oh, man. I, I love what you just said too. It's not divvying up these tasks and you do this and I do that and you do this and I do that. It's either you do it or you figure it out. You figure out another solution. You figure out who else is going to help or you know how you can automate it or whatever. Um, because the figuring out can sometimes be just as much of a challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Let's jump into the, the this or that segment. I'm going to suggest two different possibilities. And I just want you to share with us your preference between the two. All right. You ready? Ready. Okay. Read a book or listen to a playlist. Read a book. Hmm. I am who I am, or I'm always evolving.
1: I'm always evolving.
0: Go on an adventure or stay in and relax? Stay in and relax. Rewatch favorites or search for a new show? Rewatch favorites. Okay, I'm always curious about that. Do you have one that comes to mind immediately?
1: Yes. Um, I When Harry Met Sally, I just, I, I watched that over and over again um every Christmas season maybe like 10 times 15 times Mm. I I just the couples it's so it just I don't know there's something so important to me about seeing New York in the 80s like that and my home it's my hometown and I just I love it so much that movie
0: yeah oh yeah It's a good one. Okay. Here for humor or please be serious. Here for humor. Mm -hmm. The more, the merrier or more fun with fewer. The more, the merrier and merrier and merrier. All right. Would you
1: consider yourself extroverted? hundred percent. I call myself an ambivert, um, Mm -hmm. because I like, I like it all. But, uh, one million trillion percent on the ENFP tests or Myers-Briggs or any of those tests that work give you, which I'm not a big fan of personality tests because it does feel like you, you're you not ever evolving. You are, I am who I am. And I don't always, be, I don't believe in that. Again, mm-hmm. I believe in, I don't believe in reinvention, but I do believe in reinvestment. Um, and that takes evolution. And so, um, yes, I'm, I'm always considered an extrovert on any, any scale.
0: Gotcha. So you're always growing, but you also always love people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. Next is rapid fire. And this is the last part of the show. So could you share with us something you've read lately that you would recommend to others?
1: It's a great question. Yes. um, I just finished a book that I love so much. It's called Between Two Kingdoms. I think every it's a great audio book. Um, anybody can listen. It is very much unicorn space. It is um, a journey, a reinvention journey of a woman who was diagnosed with uh, leukemia early in her life. But it's, it's not about that. It's really about creativity and its full power. Mm. Uh, creativity loves constraints, Kate. Mm. This idea of creativity and privilege is an interesting conversation. Sometimes the less yeah. privileged the more creative because these constraints, that they, they're a different type of capital than fi- financial capital. And um, and we often need it. We need it to get through, as we said, those storms. So Between Two Kingdoms is an, a must read for creativity.
0: Okay. And is this fiction, nonfiction?
1: Nonfiction. A nonfiction memoir. Interesting. Suleika Jawad is her name and it's written in her, she narrates it. So I would recommend listening to it. As an audiobook, it's so beautiful.
0: Wonderful. I love, I mean, I love any book recommendation, but I love to know that the audiobook is great um, because, you know, we all need one of those in our back pocket all the time. We do. We do. Or the drives and the chores or whatever. It's great to have an audiobook at hand. So noted. Okay. A favorite thing for you right now could be a product, an app, or a tool, something that has appeared in your life that you're just really enjoying. Oh my gosh, that's a good one too.
1: I would have to say um let me okay let me think a good one that I read because there's so many. So I yeah, want to give um I will say post-its. Mm, classic. I, I love them so <laughs> much. I've reinvested in my love of them. And what I've been doing with them recently is, as I'm on panels, if somebody says something beautiful, mm-hmm. I write it down as a quote, and then I will have a friend who's in her unicorn space. Her name is Cynthia Sulise. Shout out to Cynthia. I will have her calligraphy, uh, the quote for, for somebody, and send it to them.
0: Oh, that's so lovely.
1: Like- it's been my favorite gift.
0: So you send it to the person who spoke the who word? Who said it. That's
1: mm-hmm. who spoke the word Yeah. But you need Post-its to do that because you have to have them yeah. right on hand to write it down.
0: Yeah. This is the best use of Post-its ever. I mean, that's like not your traditional use of Post-its. No. I'm, that's I'm why really I said you need good. one
1: right by, by your side. <laughs> and then the good part is you can have a whole wall of quotes like I do of people's yes. quotes that I love so much and they stay with you. And I put yours. I put one of yours down. On a post as we spoke, desire to be known. I thought that was so beautiful when you said that. Oh
0: I love that. And I added to my wall. What a great tradition and gift. That is too cool. Okay. All right. I love. Um what is something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, that
1: maybe not surprised, but maybe that I I don't eat I don't eat any vegetables. Zero. Zero. Mm. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> um The, the min- minimum standard of care in our house when Seth yells at me if I have any mm-hmm. of the food cards. And he's like, green is not a lucky charm <laughs> shamrock. It is not. It is a a thing that's picked out of a garden. Um, growing up in the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. we didn't have much produce. Um, it was just never something that was ever introduced to me. Uh, so I grew up eating a lot of carbs. Uh, yeah. Something called Tiger's Milk Bars. Tiger Milk Bars were, were the I think that was the beginning of protein bars. But anyway, um, so yeah, I don't eat vegetables. All right. Well, I know it's not proud. It's just it's just something surprising.
0: Well, we can't, in fact, do it all. So right, we cannot. We cannot exactly. There you go. Um, all right, and the last one. Finish this sentence.
1: You'll never see me. You'll never see me putting any other woman down for her choices because mm-hmm. I understand how constrained we are. And we all can benefit from throwing off societal judgment, the judgment of our friends, peers, colleagues. And so I will not be complicit in my own oppression by doing that.
0: Beautiful. Let's just all take that cue. Love that. Eve, thank you so much for being here today. I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate all that you're putting out in the world and all of the work that you've put into it. Remember, her book, Find Your Unicorn Space, comes out December 28th. Got to pick it up. And if you haven't read Fair Play, you got to pick that one up too. Thanks, Eve. Thank you, Kate. Wow, what an amazing human being. I feel so inspired right now, and I hope you do too. You can connect with Eve on Instagram at Eve Rodsky, that's E-V-E-R-O-D-S-K-Y, to be among the first to hear the exact date of her upcoming film, Fair Play. Also, be sure to pick up Eve's new book, Find Your Unicorn Space, out December 28th. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed your time with us today, please share this episode with a friend, then subscribe, follow, leave a comment, or give a five-star review. Season one of the show will include more chats with top authors, experts, and influential personalities. We will be serving up simplified applied psychology, habit theory, and quality of life tips and tricks that you can put into action right away. Until next week, I'm Kate Hammer, and you know how to live.